is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. It does kind of remind me of like the line art of Picasso. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Why don't we keep the whole million? Providing insight. This reminds me of uh, Walmart.horse. Commentary. Don't puff your chest out all hot saucily. And conjecture. The Supreme Court has <laughs> roundly rejected prior <laughs> restraint. <laughs> Now, talk to me about uh, no fear, no life. Is that what it's called? No fear, no death. No fear, no death. Right. The big difference there. Yes. Significant difference. So, um, so what I about mean, it? Well, it's a book. No, I mean, it's a book by, and I'm going to, I don't know how you actually say this. I've never heard anyone say this. You'll be the first. Um, I'll be the first to hear that. I will hear say this. I'm sure many people say this. It's do this want, man's Do you want me name. to try instead? I think we've even talked about this guy on the podcast, but was, this was probably like 90 sense. episodes ago when we did. Tick not Han. I just don't know that. Who is a um, Buddhist. He's a Buddhist monk from uh, Vietnam. Although his current, I think he currently resides in France. I could be wrong about that, but I think so. His plum village. So it's some kind of Eastern thing? It's definitely an Eastern thing. Um, Okay. He is a, uh, you know, he is written... um, He's Thich, written many books. Thich he, not Han. Yes. Thich not Han. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, of him. Now, I've read, you uh, don't read several things. of his books, although and I own this book, but I've never read the whole thing. I've read the just kind of like the intro. Did you say that you actually read a book? Yes. There are some books that I've read all the way through. And you've read some of this fellow's books, more than one? Yes. Every word in the book? Yes. I feel like I don't even know you anymore. I read um, Creating True Peace, which is kind of one of his most famous books. Um, I read that uh, front to back twice, actually. Um, I have read uh, Living Buddha, Living Christ which is another one of his books. Um, I've read uh, his commentaries on the diamond that cuts through illusion, although that was kind of too deep. I couldn't quite get it. Um, The diamond that cuts through illusion. Yeah. What was so hard to... I don't know. It was just too steeped in like, you know, Buddhist scriptures and stuff that it was hard for me to like get it. Or maybe I think part of it is I kind of came to it with my a, a very strong preconceived notion of what the diamond that cuts through illusion is. And then he was like, no, no, no. It's a little more uh, you're going to have to like, you know, go a couple layers deeper if you really want to get this. And I was like, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of stuck where I am right now. What if you revisited it? How do you think you'd do? I would probably do worse. Really? 
I've lost touch with a lot of this, uh, you know, I don't know, this kind of like spirituality lately. I need to go back to it, though. Give me a give me like a time frame when you were so deep into this spirituality. Um, no, I don't know why that's funny. It's not supposed to be funny. I'm um, serious question. I know you can hear the smile in my voice, but it's an honest question. Um, well, hmm. when was this? I'm trying to put a time to it. I would say maybe, oh, geez. Like September? Um, no, I'm going to say like, oh, two to oh, six. I will say, oh, four to oh eight. Okay. All right. Still a four year period though. Yeah. Two of the years overlap. All right. Not too bad. I did pretty Mm -hmm. good there. Yeah. Because, and do you know why I say that? Uh, why? I realize now I did get the years off a little bit, but, um, you had a podcast before this, which I I did thoroughly enjoyed and which, but then it sort of just devolved into you playing thermite music yes yes <laughs> yeah which well, don't get me wrong to love it right which was very flattering but you know there were other segments and uh, little you know elements to it that i thought were very fascinating oh and man really i want to bring that back i i know i want to do it as a daily show oh boy you are could have it'll have some music some commentary it just it was just it was just kind of like a grab bag of stuff. Right, but that's okay. It was fascinating. Though, and we because... got a lot of people we know to contribute to it, like yeah. contribute little short stories mm-hmm. and they contribute snippets of audio and contribute, you know, not just the stories, but then perhaps them reading the stories. And then also, you know, some of our friends and the musicians did a bunch of different like loops and other things that we could mix in and the, the, you know, uh, background and yeah it was actually really cool Um, it was really cool and so you had all those different perspectives lending it dare i say a voice to it yes you know they all commingled to provide a voice yeah this uh i don't know and i did throw a lot of little like buddhist commentary and stuff into there yeah, so th- anyway, there was some Easternness like kind of over right. interwoven in there. So yeah, I see what you're getting. It's because you from. were reading Fitch, not Han, mm-hmm. at the time. Probably was influencing that. Yeah. I remember because we were talking about building, and I actually had one for a little while, a uh, meditation room, which okay. for me was just the closet in the hallway, and I cleared it out as much as I could. And I would sit in there in the dark in the closet and try to meditate in the morning. It didn't last too long. I didn't do this for too long. Yeah. Maybe, probably less than a month. But, you know, it's, I took a, uh, can't believe I got credit for this, but I took a meditation class in college. I think it was one and a half credits or something. And, but it was a lot about breathing. It's mm-hmm. mostly about breathing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a weird thing to think about, because it's something that happens whether you want it to or not, but then you can, like, turn it off. Unlike a heartbeat, you can't tell your heart to stop beating. I guess you could stab it, but you can't, like... Yeah, you can't tell it. You can't you just kind of, like, like the way you can it. hold your breath. You can't right. hold your heartbeat. You can't do it. 
What you and just thinking about that right now is kind of giving me chest pains. Yeah, I don't like to think about it. I don't like to think about the mechanics of how my body works really at all. <laughs> yeah. A- any any of it. No, I cannot. I cannot I don't take like it. Buttholes or penises or breathing or like eyeballs. Any of it. I don't like it. Yeah. Just I remember it. earlier in the podcast we had a uh, you know, a lot you were having a lot of trouble with the kind of like uh the um the, the the penile anatomy in a previous episode. I'm glad I forgot about it. But yeah, I just any of it is is bad. I was just talking about um circumcision. That's a thing that we do to male children when they're very, very young. Like yes. newborns. Unfortunately I guess. that's true. Like we cut off pieces, we mutilate. <laughs> why does why do we do that? It's not something you think about too much, but like we mutilate our young male children. Um, I think that's coming out of fashion. So I've heard. So I've heard. I can't get that back, though. I can't get that little piece of meat back. No, that's gone. I wouldn't even know where to look for it. Did they keep it in a little jar of formaldehyde or something? I doubt it. And if it wasn't in a jar of formaldehyde, it would be all withered up. It would look like, uh, you know, a little piece of smoked brisket or something. Yeah. But well, isn't there that story? Um, oh, I'm not going to like where this is going to go. Well, no, it's in the Bible. Oh. Like someone tells someone to go bring me like a hundred uh, foreskins. From the enemy people. And some guy goes, all right. It was like a warrior or something. He went out and like defeated like a hundred of the enemy soldiers and like brought all their foreskins back to the king or something. I was like, here you go. It was you wanted a hundred foreskins from the Philistines. Here you go. Here they are. No, he was it was like, a Thanks, more, good job. It was a more deliberate military action. So as a way to make peace or something. And I forget like who was fighting who or whatever. But as a way to make peace, it was like, okay, we can stop this bloody conflict. But, you know, culturally we are a society that are circumcised. This is very important to us. Like this is part of the, you know, it's Palestine and Israel, you know, it just goes that there's certain things that are just embedded in the culture. We're like, you know, literally like cutting the, penis meat off of there it's like if all of your males agree to do this we will stop fighting right now it nothing else is as important it's just this culturally religious whatever it is is so important to us as a culture that if you do it all your males get circumcised we will stop fighting and they said okay so they like within a day or two circumcised every male. And then while they were all like laid up with their penises aching, they just went in and slaughtered them all. <laughs> Cause oh, they there couldn't you go. fight. It's a pretty good tactic. You know, I remember that was, that was pretty smart. It's a clever move. It's also pretty fucked up. Yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff. Well, there is still a lot of weird stuff. That's Always. the thing. You think like, oh yeah, there's no, no, there's still a lot of weird stuff. No, we still mutilate all our male children. 
How old is a male child when they get circumcised? Um, I think Weeks? right now days. It's I think it's days. Jesus, wow. I think I think I mean could be wrong, but I think like in America, it's you know tradi- like you know in a typical American situation here with a hospital and all, it's like um like before you bring the baby home from the hospital. Wow. It's like they're like, hey, do you want us to do this while you're here? Do a little, little cut. It's like, welcome it's like, to sure. the world. You just had, like, you had it made in there. It's warm. You're basically taking a warm bath for nine months where you get fed without even having to move. It's a little tight in there, but it's like just wonderful. And then it's like the horror of the world just slams you in the face. And then the little cherry on top. Is like, we're going to cut the tip of your penis meat off. Welcome to Earth. So we should read some more Fitch, not Han. Yeah, we should. And get back to what really matters. No, I think it does. Yeah, I actually, so this is really funny, right? Because um, I'm talking about Tick, not Han, revered. Um, You're saying Tick, not Fitch. I say Tick. I don't know I'm how just say pronouncing it. it phonetically. Fitch, yeah. not Han. Yeah. But you, t- you, like, you know, I'm talking about him as a, you know, he's a very, um, I, respected, I imagine revered Fitch, figure. And I'm going to now switch to talking about something written in vice.com. Fitch is that weird, like, guy that had two cheeks on either side in Star Wars. You know? No, that was nine numb. Close enough. That's who I imagine <laughs> Fitch is. Not Han, but Fitch, you know, still right. a, a, you know, seasoned he's military there, veteran. He's the Millennium Falcon. It's this, uh, not Han. Right. Stitch, not Han. Because Han is in Carbonite or some shit. Right. Well, he's on Endor. Oh, he's on Endor. Sorry. He's on yeah. Endor. Lando is like, you know, he's in the land fight. He's like, he's Han. taking care of it. And that guy is going, blah, 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 blah. Right. But really, he means like, he's just That's- saying, yo, it's Titch, not Han. <laughs> in his, like, tongue. Stop calling me Han. I'm not Han. He's down on Endor. I'm Titch. The forest anyway, moon sorry. of Endor. The forest moon. Yeah, where is the planet? And is Endor the planet? And is this just the forest moon of the planet Endor? Or is it the moon itself is Endor? Maybe it's an orphaned moon. Something like that. But then how the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. They make up so much weird shit like that. Yeah. Just why? Keep it simple. Right, just make it be Endor the planet. Why does it have to be a moon? Right. Or like, okay, it sounds cooler because you're always saying, oh, we're going to this planet or that planet. Okay, this is a moon now we're going to. That's cool. That's no moon. It's a fucking planet. Draw a fucking planet (laughs) next to it if it's a moon. Right. To be a moon, it has to be orbiting something. A moon is a satellite of Of a planet. Of a planet. I mean, I guess the planet is, like, behind the camera, like, behind the vantage point we're looking at it from. Listen, but they come into orbit around the moon, you know? Wouldn't they have to take into account, like, the gravity of the planet? Can you just... I uh, guess you could just orbit the moon. Sure, you yeah, can orbit the yeah, moon. Like, our, the we, when, are we sent, like, our shit up there? They orbit the moon once well, you get I know, there. but that's tiny. That's, like, a room. It's a room-sized thing. Like right. the Death Star it's is not a Death Star, yeah. Almost true. looks like a small moon. But you could still do it. Yeah. It's be like a binary system almost. 
Just make it a planet, though. Seriously. Why does it have to be a moon? Yeah. No death, no fear. Yeah, well, you were going to start on something. wisdom for life. You were going to start on something about that, and I interrupted you with the Thitch Not Han Yeah, shit. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, well, just I also read in recently, yes, on Vice.com, which, you know, yeah, you could read, you know, uh, Thitch Not Han, or, you know, you could read Vice.com, kind of the same thing. Both have a lot of wisdom there. Same ballpark. Same ballpark, but yeah. A breadth of knowledge. This uh, article, you know, this like, again, one of these like, uh, you know, first person accounts of someone that did a 10 day Vipassana meditation and what happened to him. That was a pretty good story. Kind of made me want to go do a 10 day Vipassana, but that's kind of hard. Is it, does it involve like sweat lodges? No, it's more or less you um, meditate. You sit on your cushion and meditate, except you do it like all day, every day for 10 days. You don't talk. You don't really eat anything except the little food they give you. Um, you know, you sleep a little bit at night. You have a cot. You all just go in your cots and sleep. Then, okay, the bell rings. You get up and you go and you sit back down. You do that for 10 days. And it brings eventually great insight. Vipassana is also known as insight meditation. I is it um, so it's supervised? It is supervised. Hmm. Yeah, they split the sexes up. Girls in one room, girls, women in one room, men in another. Hmm. What is it called? Vipassana. V i p a s s a n n a. Or the something po- like that. There's the probably an extra A in there. Meditation. I fucked it up somehow. Hmm. Vipassana meditation. Um, I assume they charge for this? They must. I don't know. This guy did it in Italy, but... You know, it seems like that could be... You know, after watching The Babadook, it seems like that might be a recipe for disaster. Once you start internalizing, after like after 10 days, mm-hmm. you're going to really start internalizing all of your shit. And I guess that's the Well, point. I think that happens like by the time you're like in the beginning of day two. Jesus. That you will move way past that. Mm. Like you get to the point where you start tripping balls. Right. And then you go even past that. Right. And you eventually, you know, you've you, been know, to- you can reconnect with yourself. You've been to the edge. you actually are. Talking about cutting through illusions, right? Like the illusions are gone at that point. You know, I lost a lot of friends there, baby. So you think that's what cutting through the illusion is? See? Uh, No, you're already assuming what what it is. Well, then what's the problem? Why couldn't you do it? But, But the understanding of this sutra is, yeah, it's... I guess the the commentary on it did go a little, like it was I was not prepared for that level of, of discourse on on a on a uh, on a Buddhist sutra. So how <laughs> this is dumb. How far down or maybe down is not the right is not the preferred nomenclature, but how deep have you gone when you've been meditating? No, not deep at all. Descri- describe Barely what was going on. The surface. Like describe the the deepest you got as to the best of your knowledge. Anyway, that's hard. I'm not. You know, I'm not even sure. 
it's even hard to remember. Um, not far though. Like kind of like, you know, to the point where I can feel like a tiny bit of maybe something like there is like a change in myself. I can kind of feel, but like, you know, in terms of like clearing my mind, like, I don't know. Not really. I mean, I I don't know. It's something, right? There's something there. It's not just like what you'd say. Oh yeah. I'm sitting there the same as I'd be sitting like here. Oh no, it's definitely different. It's different, but you know, like the whole thing is you have to stop chasing and yeah, I can stop doing that for a little bit, I guess. And it's interesting, but like, yeah, I have not gone far. And even though I spent, I can let's say a lot of time, like reading these books and studying some of this philosophy, I'd never practiced meditation as much as I should. Yeah. I mean, you should do it every day. Yeah. And I never like really advanced far. I never did a class or had a teacher or anything else like that. I mean, Lynch has been doing it every day. Well, that's transcendental meditation. That's transcendental. That's a whole other ballpark thing, but yeah. Come on, let's not split hairs here. They're meditations. I'm just saying he's dedicated enough to have been doing it every day for almost 40 years now. Yeah, that's That's some dedication, you know? So it's like, if you really want to get to a different place, you've got to put the time in. It's like anything. You've got to put the time in. I spent that semester when I had that meditation class. And I think it seemed to me like the breathing was a little trick. Like, focus on your breathing. Do it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's not a shortcut, but it takes your mind off of other shit. And it's like, just focus on the breathing. And I did, like, once, maybe twice, I found myself in... I don't know if it was necessarily pleasant, but it was, this probably seems cliche or stupid or something, but it did seem like just a vast black emptiness Mm -hmm. with like, and I would, I would not feel, I would see like thoughts coming in of like, oh, I got to work in five hours or like, I don't know, I have this assignment due or who knows what, Mm -hmm. just like, but I could see them as almost like. Right. Like photographs, but like shrouded in mist and they'd be, they'd be coming through. Well, you were aware of them, I think is what I was. And you should not be. And the point is to like get away from those things. And I was eventually almost there. Yeah. Like you don't want them, but the fact that you were seeing them is something right like they those thoughts like normally those thoughts you may not even be aware of them or like you're having them but those thoughts are just you right right whereas now these thoughts were something you were outside of and are able to look at at least and they didn't get close and i was able to acknowledge that they were there on the edges of the like vague mist and then they would go away and it was just i had a, a couple periods of just emptiness and like i said i i don't know if it was pleasant maybe it was i'm not pleasant i don't know how to describe it it was calm i'll say it was calm okay but calm and peaceful might be two different things i don't know if it was peace either but yeah and then 
you're not thinking about the breathing anymore. And one of the tricks was to start your breathing cycle by exhaling. Exhaling, yeah. Right. Start by exhaling so it's it's as if you're removing all the shit, all the negative shit that's inside you. So your breathing cycle is exhale, inhale. So you're getting rid of it. You're expulsing, if you will. I don't know. I need to get back into it. I think I'm going to make a, another meditation room. Must be time. And then you'll start up. Can I say the name of your podcast, Brad? Sure. Technology Voice. Will you start yes. it up again? Um, once I... Um, will I start it up again one day? Yes. How soon do you think? That's hard to say. Million dollar I'm question. I have to make a couple life changes first, and I'm trying <laughs> to figure out when the best time to do those are right now. What and once of, I do those, yes. What kind of life changes do you have to make to do technology voice? Well, I need to probably clear up at least, I would say, um, 60 to 120 minutes a day to work on it. That's a lot. Yeah, I know. Well, how long each day do you spend looking at Tumblr? Touche. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche. But it's, you know, it's I'm priorities, not, really, I'm not Brad. to give up my Tumblr time. It's fucking priorities, man. Yeah. All right. Get busy living or get busy dying, dude. Yeah. True enough. Fucking technology voice. Technology yeah. voice. I don't know if I yeah. Maybe maybe rebranded. Need to rethink it out, but you know, sure. if we're gonna do a se- if I'm gonna do a second kind of like uh, yeah, a second creative endeavor in podcast form, that could be it. Well, you would, it would have be to good get to bring that back. It would be great, but you'd Especially have to get everybody on board. Suffered from like some amateur. I mean, there were some great ideas, but there was a lot of amateurness also involved in like the the audio quality and some other things. But we didn't know what we were doing back then. You know, yeah, we were no good. But uh, we're going to put it, I'm going to bring that back together. Put it in the hopper. I'll put it in the hopper. You got You know other people now who'd probably be thrilled to contribute? You know, if you get a large enough bevy of contributors, if you get like 20% of them to contribute consistently, you might have enough. And then yeah. you just got to tie it together. And I think that 60 minutes a day might be enough to do it. Maybe. That's true. Well, send me uh, all your thermite so I can use that as a, a base. I will send the it. The Bula base. All of it to you. All of it. All 360 hours of it. I won't even finish some of them. I'll just leave them as they are. All right. Yeah. No, perfect. And as you come across anything, really, any audio. All right. I'll do it. Just send it, send it my way. I will create new audio. There's your first contributor. All right. On board. Beautiful. All right, this could be the start of something big. <laughs> could be. I do have a revisit. Oh, really? Yes. Lebowski related or no? Yes, Lebowski related, All right, so believe yeah, it or not. Let's talk about some uh, Lebowski. Let's go. So, I mean, I, it, it doesn't have to be a revisit, but it, I'm just treating it as one. It overlaps, though, so I'm not sure. Okay, so this is kind of like, yeah, this bridges the gap. Like, the minute kind of cut right on this. Yeah. Should we just, should we play the minute then? 
since it's I, i'm not sure because once i start talking it. about this yeah, we're, we're gonna, gonna be, be going it. let's right. play the minute all right get into it here we go way about a year ago you know just told me I, I should show her this my father it's the family farm it's outside of moorhead minnesota they think it'll make her homesick oh boy how are you gonna keep them down on the farm once they've seen carl hungus She's been kidnapped, the female. Oh, man, that's... Oh, I don't know. Maybe not, but she's definitely not around. Hey, uh, maybe you and me could pool our resources. Trade information, uh, professional courtesy. Yeah. Computers, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Fuck off, the female. And stay away from my special... From my fucking lady friend, man. Uh, the lingerberry pancake. And we're back. Bunny, Bunny Lebowski. Fawn Knutson. Yes. Her cheer outfit. Yes, we talked about this last time a little bit. We, a little bit, yes. Um, we talked mostly about how it had a generic sort of, what, like megaphone right. logo on it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, is it actually Tara Reed or not? We don't know. Who knows? Could be. Maybe not. But, so... Her farm is outside Moorhead, Minnesota. Presumably, she's going to Moorhead High School. Whatever. Uh, I will presume that along with you, yes. I I would presume that. I'm not saying it's correct, but, you know, presume it. The school colors of Moorhead, Minnesota are orange and black. Okay. Which matches her cheer outfit, orange and black. So that's number one. All right, that's pretty interesting. I mean, orange and black. You know, there's Mm -hmm. lots of blue and whites, yellows and golds. Right, right. Red and whites, but orange Orange and black. black. It's like Halloween high school. (laughs) Halloween high, they call it. Hallow Mm -hmm. high. Mm Mm-hmm. Halla high. Also... Moorhead, Minnesota is adjacent to Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, really? They are within miles of each other. Like, okay. Five miles, maybe. Oh, okay. They are basically contiguous. You drive out of Moorhead, you're basically in Fargo. Mm hmm. So, of note, obviously, because the Coen Brothers' previous movie, I don't know if you know this, was what? called Fargo and even took place in Fargo. Right. Now here they are. Right. Well, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Moorhead, Minnesota, right mm-hmm. next door. Well, the Cullen brothers are from Minnesota. They're from Minnesota. So yeah, they might have, have known this. They definitely knew it. They wrote it in. But what I don't know is, well, I'm saying it wasn't just like they picked some random place to say, oh, Moorhead Minnesota. They're like, they probably may, they may be familiar with it. 
They are definitely familiar with it. It would be like me saying, like, setting a movie in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Right. Well, I'm not from Stroudsburg. I'm from Tannersville. But obviously I know Stroudsburg because it was like five miles away. Mm -hmm. We were there all the time. Yeah, I, they didn't just randomly... I'm just saying, it's a little detail they put in there. A little a little moment. A little, uh, little bone they threw us of, like, you know, their, their upbringing. Part of what makes the Coens the Coens. Part of that was Moorhead, Minnesota, where I'm sure they spent time growing up. Part of that's Fargo, where I'm sure they spent time growing up. You write about what you know. They put this in there on purpose. That's all I'm saying. No big deal, but a nice little... And it went so far to have the actual colors. Right. It's like, well, you know, if we're going to do that, mm -hmm. we're not going to have it be blue and yellow, for God's sakes. That would just be crazy. One more detail? Yes. I mean, I, that's That's all the revisiting, really. But another detail about... Fucking Moorhead, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges' wife, Susan. Yes. Is her name. Yes. Is from Moorhead, Minnesota. Oh, really? Yes. So maybe he had to do with getting his colors right. But they didn't write... Well, maybe, but they didn't write this part for him remember no, so the true. script was already written but you know how like there's different versions of the script out there and like some of them are a little different like they have the Knutsons weren't called the Knutsons they were called something else there's a little wacky variation mm -hmm. so yeah maybe you're right maybe he uh was like hey can well I don't know I don't know Cohen's are already from there. I don't know man but it's just, just another, you know, weird coincidences, right? Coincidence and fate figure largely in our lives. <laughs> well, I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, they put it in there. I think it's just like, why did they put it in there? What was the impetus for that? Was it them? Was it Bridges? I kind of think it was them, but I don't know. But so much, like, I didn't even... So this minute goes all the way into the diner scene... Yeah. Uh, with Amy Mann and... Right, Lingonberry Pancakes. Lingonberry Pancakes, and Peter Stormare gets his pancakes finally. Another Fargo connection. But I didn't even... I can't even talk about the diner shit. There's too much right here. Um, Next. Are you ready? I... Okay, you, I'm ready. Are you ready to be fucked, man? Oh, yes, I am. So... Never been more ready. We've got, at 94.06, this is six seconds yes. into this minute, the dude is holding the picture of Bunny Lebowski slash Fawn Knutson in her cheer outfit. Yes. And Defino says, you know, here's a picture of the farm. They thought if I showed her this, it might make her homesick, you know? Right. Oh, awesome. This looks great. <laughs> It's this desolate wasteland with, like, two buildings out in the middle of nowhere. How are you going to keep them down on the farm once they've seen Carl Hungus, right? Right. But the, but the visual, so the dude's hand, it's a close-up of this photo 
And the dude's hand and his thumb are kind of like screen left towards the bottom. Picture's kind of in the middle. And then Defino's hand slides right. in from the right, right? Right. And puts it in there. And so now you have what looks, to me at least, to be almost like it's one person looking at both of their hands. But you can clearly tell from the gauge of the thumb in particular right. that those are two different people's hands. Yes. It looks like a first person shot of a person holding outstretched arms holding these two pictures. However, one of your arms is belongs to Defino and the other arm belongs to the dude. That's what it looks like. And but, again, you don't really even think about that. No, I always assumed it was just the dude kind of holding both of them. But it's like... <laughs> but it's they're... also so awkward because they show it for so long. For so long, they're just both holding They're on. holding like, the imagine... picture together. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine it. And then toward the end, like, Delfino is kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to let go, but not really. He's kind of like letting go or he's kind of almost like, yeah, his hand starts like moving down the picture. Yeah, it is really weird. Right, he's kind of pulling it down. And obviously when they cut back to him, he's not holding it anymore. But I don't even really care about that so much. It's just like that awkward, like, we're going to hold this picture together. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine that actually going down in real life. It It's like weirdly intimate to hold a picture together with somebody else, a stranger that you don't know. Especially somebody that you have a bit of conflict with and you'd hold this picture together. Right. Well, it's almost like he wants the dude to see it. And so the dude kind of has to hold on to it to like look at it. You know how right. when someone tries yeah. to show you a picture right. like I can't see it while you're holding it because right. it's moving all over the place. It's moving and right. like it's at a weird angle. Like right. I have to hold it to actually see it. Sure. So but but he doesn't maybe want the dude to actually hold it. The dude's going to like take it run away. He's a. Now, at this point, you know, he he's not sure they come peers or not. Come peers. Yeah. Come peers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. Fuck off, Brad. <laughs> I had never noticed that he said come peers before. Had you? I've never noticed it until getting ready for this minute and watching it with the subtitles on. I didn't really know. What the word compere was. I mean, I could. I will admit, I did not know either. I had to Google it. I mean, in, I got the idea of what he right. was talking about, in but context, I just wanted to Google it yeah. to see exactly what the hell is this word. I actually put a link to the definition of it in here because I had never, I don't think I'd heard it before. Mm -hmm. In the context, and just like, I think it's kind of clear what the etymology of the word is, but it seems also like. No, that can't really be how they they just put these two words together. What is that called? I never remember that word either. Portmanteau. Put, thank you. Thank you. It's a strange or or I guess an obvious portmanteau. They're commensurate with one another and they're peers. Compeers. Right. Or they're, or they're they're like comparable, or they're a companion. Com well, companion maybe, which yeah. is one of the definitions here in Google. Comparable, I like that. Compeers, compeers. But yeah, Defino does eventually let go. 
And so the dude has just got both the pictures. Um, and then I put a visual aid in here for when, um, I'm just skipping around. I don't give a shit. So there's, we get, so Dufino in some ways seems clueless, but he is following the dude and kind of disappears during the, uh, um, smashing into the dumpster scene after the doctor visit when he drops his marijuana cigarette butt into his lap and pours the beer and smashes in there. Dufino disappears pretty quick, you know? So he's been tailing him. Like, he's gotten Mm -hmm. caught a couple of times, but not, like, full-on caught. So he's got some, I don't know, some level of skill, but you still gotta get the feeling, like, maybe he's a bit of a hack? Is this just how all private investigators are? But... I mean, he's sitting there in his car, and his idea to hide is to <laughs> right. put a newspaper up. And maybe if I can't see him, he won't see me. Right. Well, so he's, he's very much, you know, the... the There's a type here, right, right. that the Cohen brothers are summoning. Right. And that... Um, it's their own caricature of a private investigator, yes. maybe. Well, it's it's the same thing with this music, right? The dude on the case. Is that... No, Dick on a Case. Dick on a Case. Right. Dick on a Case, right? Um, by the, uh, who's the music guy's name again? Carter Burwell. Car- Carter Burwell, yeah. Which, that music, again, is continuing even into this minute. Still going. It's he still had to going. It's a like, yeah, that's, significant it's, piece. You know, he made us, he wrote a song, like a whole song. Burp, burp. You could probably do some mouth horn to that I shit. I could. Oh. Let's hear it. Just no, a little taste. Just right a taste. Well, just I'm a not tiny sure. taste. I don't have the, like, melody in my hand burp, right now. Burp. I've been meaning to do some, you know, get out the get out garage band. Come on, just get a little taste. Just make up your own melody. But get the garage band out. Yes. Do like some multi-track, you know. You had it pretty good here. at the beginning there, but it, you kind of lost it a little bit. Towards the end, but yeah, you yeah. got if you keep working on that, man. Well, technology voice, yeah. you know, you could yeah. have the horn section. I want to, so yeah, I what I really want to do, my dream again, again, if I had this endless amount of time to pry myself away from Tumblr and actually uh, work there is, on stuff, there is no time. No, there is no time. Let's, well, we start, yeah, we started with the no fear, no death. We don't need to go back to that, but <laughs> the, uh, I would like to do a serious, you know, detailed multi-track recording rendition performance all in mouth horn of the Game of Thrones theme. Whoa. Shit. It would be pretty bitchin'. Shit, man. Anyway, gotta work on it a little bit more, but that's the best fucking theme song ever. You gotta admit. I know with the flaming weird orb sun and the like crusty metal bits and 
Yeah. I, I, you know, I watch some television shows, not a lot, but I have my stories that I yes, like. I got my, my stories. stories. I usually fast forward like the wire. I fast forward through that intro. It's like, okay, buddy, we get it. Yeah, way down in the hole. Like, Got it. Right, right. Right. Shut the fuck up already. Game of Thrones. I don't really fast forward through that no. intro. There's, I watch there, there the are, shit out of that. Yes, there are definitely certain shows where I'm like, you know, hand off the remote. Nope. Right. You, we are going to absorb this and be ready. Twin Peaks is another one. I was you about to say, yes, Twin Peaks that. is one. What was that? I, I'm just, yeah, Twin Peaks. You watch that. You don't yeah. skip through it. You got to get in the mood, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It gets you in the mood. And again, that opening is, well, everything Twin Peaks is just awesome, right? Right. What else? Game of Thrones. Uh... So here's one. I don't know if you'll agree. Or I don't know if you even Oh, True Detective. Show. I don't fast forward through True Detective. Oh, hell yeah. True either. Detective is one of those. Um uh, I was going to say Friday Night Lights. Mm. Especially season one. Fuck yes. Keep it there. Don't touch it. Yeah, you don't fast forward through that. So here's one. So you like that show. Friday Night Lights, I like that show a lot. I know that your wife, her name is Christine, likes that show. Yeah, no, we watched that together. It took us like five years to actually watch all of it. Like, Wow. Like been like like we did not start watching it till after the show was done yeah me it was either. all on netflix and it still took us like forever it took me about three months i went through the entire series yeah like it that's what we started like oh it's five times. seasons and the last three are just like really like 13 episodes per season yeah we'll just blow through this but no because again life we'd watch like mm. You know, an ep- a couple episodes a week, and then it would be like, oh, wait, Walking Dead just started new episodes. Okay. Well, right, So then we're right. down to one episode a week of Friday night. Then we're down to like zero. Oh, House of Cards is out. Okay. Oh, let's get back to Friday night. Yeah, it took us a long time. See, well, it was worth it. It was good. Yeah, good show. It's a great show. It's a great show. I'm surprised that you, like, a lot of people I wouldn't expect to like it, like it, just because, you know. The show makes me like football. It's, that's makes my heart warm and i will say um yeah the other thing is i started watching it um right after the penn state scandal happened oh boy yeah and so what first it was like really uncomfortable to watch i almost couldn't take it right because so this penn state scandal just happened and i wasn't even thinking like oh yeah penn state scandal happened let's watch the show about it was just kind of like everyone says the show is good i'm like picking a show off netflix oh yeah let's start this mm-hmm. but you know the first episode is like you know the coach he's breaking the rules he knows he is but it's kind of like well you just kind of you know we're going to get this recruit you know buddies going over here illegally i'll just kind of like not worry about it and it's just kind of like right even though we kind of feel sick about doing it, and I'm just like, yeah, this isn't good. <laughs> like, right now. It was bad times up there. Yeah. Back then. And this, and that's, you know, coming from you, who couldn't give two shits about football at that time. Right. You know? Yeah. But watching this, um, yeah, it does make it me, uh, yeah. I, Foot- I, I kind of like football in some sort of abstract sense now. And there's nothing wrong with that. Football's about more than smashing into people and jock culture you know it's not about that it's about building camaraderie it's about working together in ultimate precision 
Yeah, there's a lot going yeah. on there. But in a totally white heteronormative way, you got to admit. White no. heteronormative. <laughs> I don't know. I'm throwing way. around words that I don't know. I'm still trying to cut through the illusion. <laughs> okay. Hetero, no. No. They just they're not open about it. White clearly not. Clearly not. That's true as I was saying. Well, okay. Normative. Uh, do we need to go there? Normative. I think of normative applies white hetero. No, because normative is dependent on the white hetero part of that. No, no, you're just wrong. All right. You're just wrong, man. Anyway, it's okay to like football and some sporting events. It's totally events. okay to like football. I do not begrudge anyone who likes football. And All right. I never have. No, I want to say never. No. Probably if you go back far enough, you know, as a angsty adolescent. Oh, yeah. jocks, blah, 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 something. Right. I probably said something like that, but, you, you know. You definitely did. You definitely did. Just because I was wearing my bandana and my duct tape jeans didn't mean that that didn't hurt me a little bit, Brad. You wouldn't know it to look at me, but I was more in the jock culture at one point. Strong men also cry. Strong men also cry. White heteronormative. Listen, I'm writing it down, but that doesn't mean we have to put it in the description. All right. Sure. <laughs> White hetero. Anyway, great show. I would watch that opening. I watched The Walking Dead open. I, I don't. I watched The Walking Dead open, although I never really was fond of it. Wait, why? The music is good. I'll give it that. What don't you? I think it's fucking awesome. It just it like captures that sense of dread and really Again, puts I think you maybe in the place. Like the first season did, but it doesn't really capture the sense of dread for me. It's just kind of like it seems a little too generic. Wow. Like the show is so much more dreadful than the opening in some way. Like, oh shit! So, if you are you caught up with Game of Thrones? Yes. F- fuck, man. Yeah, you know, I like the show better than the books. I guess we've talked about this before. I read the first four books. Can't believe I admit that, but I did. But then I was like, you know what? Fuck you, George R. R. Martin. Fuck you. Right in your stupid, pompous face. The show is way better than the books. He's just... It's not like the common complaint is... Oh, I can't believe he did that to the characters. I don't care about that. It's just book four was structured in a way that just reeked, no pun intended, of arrogance. Just like a total disregard for your audience. It's just so arrogant. I can just do whatever the fuck I want. And I'm not talking about characters, really. It's just like well, you did. This is the thing that you wrote, right? Well, you respect that, yourself. So there's five books have come out so far. Is that correct? I think that's correct. But I was what done. The last before. two books, like, like one of them, more or less, was the entire thing was just Castle Black, and the other one was just like Daenerys. That's what I heard. I haven't read the books. I don't remember. It wasn't exactly that. But so like, it's kind of like, oh, I can't wait. The new book is out, and it's an entire like. 1500 page but it's only about castle black and not about anything else that's not entirely and accurate it's like what the fuck how is this the book that's not entirely accurate okay. so the first three books are structured by chapters and each chapter is the name of a character right 
obviously some get killed off. You don't have chapters named that person's name anymore. Right. But that's how it is. And, you know, you're jumping around from character to character through the whole world. So for three books, how many pages is that? 3,000 pages? 4,000 mm-hmm. pages? You're invested in all of these character characters. Book four, he basically just chooses half of the characters. Like, he leaves you hanging at the end of book three. Right. Like, holy shit. Book four, you, you're reading it and reading it, 1,500 fucking pages. Like, okay, he's gonna talk about the coolest character in the entire series soon. I know soon it will happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he only he just chooses half of the characters. But then the worst part about it is there's one little epilogue and it's like, oh, finally. Okay, he was a total dick and I didn't get to learn what happened to the best character in the whole thing. Here's a little epilogue and we'll get a little taste. But no, instead, it's fucking George R.R. R. Martin talking directly to you, the reader, like, hey, I know you were expecting to hear about all the characters you love, but I just decided to, I just had a lot of words, so I decided to only do half the characters. Don't worry, the next book will talk about all those other characters that you love so much. And it's like right. 10 pages worth of him patronizing you and saying like, nah, I didn't fucking feel like it, basically. It's like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah. It just wasn't going to hold, was it? You just had to cough it out. I was trying bit. to hold it in through your whole conversation, <laughs> through your whole explanation. Well, I hate that I'm upset about it still, but I was like, nope, yeah. done. I'll watch HBO's version. My point was that HBO, the sh- the show, they don't adhere strictly to the book. Well, thank God. Thank fuck. And the only reason I say that is because I would say that for anything. Whenever you're adapting a book to a film or television show, you need to turn it into a film or television show, not just use the book like as some sort of like screenplay. Absolutely. Cause it will not work. It will never work. And like people do that where there's like too much reverence to the books. Right. And, and they don't like, have, yeah, it didn't make a good movie. They don't really have any reverence for it. Like, they take major character things and just throw them out the window. Oh, so, yeah. No. Well, and also with this, you have to because you want people to, you know, like you don't want everyone to be like, well, what happens next? We'll just read the book. It's out there. You know what I mean? Like you don't know. Right. You have to no, throw in some of that. And it's like there's stuff from book two or three still going on in the current episodes, even though it's season five. But then I. I guess there's stuff maybe from book five that's happening too, because well, I don't know some of this that stuff. Haven't, they've, they've gone past the book in some regards. I'm told uh, I, yeah, would I imagine. haven't read the books. I would imagine, but they finally, cause like they, they ran out of books. Like he's not writing them fast enough. Awesome. No, that's awesome. Great. And so they're just like, yep, we're just going to like make up our own ideas of what happens next. It's our show now. Yep. <laughs> Fuck you. You pompous ass. Ah, you know what it feels uh, like to invest. I don't. I I don't read a lot of books, but I was like, okay, I'll give it. I want to read something. I'll read those, and to get like four thousand pages in, and then to be so pissed off that it's like done. 
I read the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. There were some yes. questionable moments, but like nothing ever so bad to make me just say, I am finished right. with that. Like I went all the way through and I had to, it took me what, 20 fucking years to wait for all those books to come out. But he never pissed me off as bad as that guy did. Right, right. And like you said, it wasn't like something that he wrote into the story. It was just the no. fact he decided to be like, yeah, let's not talk about this. Right. These plot lines anymore. <laughs> we'll do that in six years. We, oh. <coughs> well. Sorry, dude. No, man. You, you, you cough it out. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. We talked about the commingling of thumb screen real estate. So, but it makes, this is what I wanted to say about that. The thumbs, them holding the pictures to get the picture together. It makes sense because you can't, you couldn't shoot that shot if it was the dude, like, not even the dude, just anybody with their two hands, like, wrapped around this giant Panaflex camera and holding your hands out around it in front of the lens, you would have to, like, cut your body off. You know, it just wouldn't work. You can't. It's physically impossible. We talked about this with the uh, Busby Berkeley dancer's legs. Right. Which is why they're all at that crazy angle, because you can't, you know, you'd be, like, ripping them apart their legs apart and like tearing them in half. If you were sending this giant rig just wouldn't fucking fit, you know, and the arms can't fit around the camera to do this. So it actually makes a shit ton of sense that they did it this way. And there's mm-hmm. two different thumbs. Well, looking at, yeah, no, you're probably, no, you're right. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, you know, there's probably something here like you could, cause you don't see a whole lot. Like you don't see the wrists per se. Like you could do something like, squat down kneel down like below the lens and pick your both arms up and hold them up you know there's probably ways around this particular shot yeah but it wouldn't be great you know think about the angle of your arms would be off well that's what i'm saying you can't really see the angle of the wrist or the arms you just kind of see the thumbs and the fingers imagine how you could uncomfortable that would be for the person that's doing that if you could even get it to happen but imagine how uncomfortable it was for like the for whoever these people were holding this because that's the other thing i was wondering because we're talking about how these are clearly different hands but are these actually jeff bridges and uh oh the guy that plays the fino doing this john polito right john polito i feel like not i feel they would like have a separate not. hand stand in this but might again, even to be show, it's like hey we need a hand stand in to match these actors this might be well it would be polito the... has his own hand stand in it's he's been in all his films <laughs> well you know the dude has his double right like but stands the... there to get the lighting right and all that shit and like yeah. falls down when the chief of police of malibu shoves him over mm-hmm the same guy it's been with him forever well do you think the same guy that falls down is the same guy that stands in for the lighting yes definitely oh really so like the stunt double will also be the stand-in for the light i think he's kind of gives them more to do gives them some more income makes it more of a sustainable and i don't think whatever his name is is like a 
stunt double, stunt double. Like he's minor stunts. That's the feeling. Sure, I get, he's anyway. not like uh, John McClane, Yippie Kaye, swinging off the skyscraper. No, no, but he's you know stand next to a car that spins away, allows himself to be pushed backwards onto a chair. Well, he's pushed, pushed backwards, backwards while he's on a chair. That is two different shots. So he's pushed backwards and falls down onto a nice soft foam mattress. And then the second shot is him falling onto the floor, but he only goes like 12 inches or something. Right. He's that level of stunt double. But right, he's not jumping off buildings. Um, Why did I write a smoky reminder? I was wondering that too. I was I couldn't wait to hear what what you were talking about. Sometimes I get a little too obtuse with my writings. Yeah. My my notes to myself. This uh this um picture. Oh, I remember. I remember. Has like a white vignette. A minor vignette, but it's a a white vignette. Like a border or a vignette? A vignette. Well, there's also a border. Yeah, there's a border. Which, I mean, you can get pictures printed with borders, especially black and white pictures, it seems, for some reason. So you're talking about this very, very minor vignette just in the top corners? Just yes. that? Yeah. Not not a general soft... Like the sand or the whatever the fields on the bottom kind of well, washes out? You can't really tell on the bottom as much because those like sands or whatever kind of get washed out. We can see it in the top. Yeah. It was just in one corner. I would say maybe it's like the sun or uh, something. Some kind of lens flare or some but shit. It's in two, but it's in both the upper right and the upper left. And it's the same size, too. Yeah, so it's some kind of vignette. There's some kind of like lens thing happening hmm. um, on whatever camera this was shot on. And then, uh, yeah. But it does have that nice, I don't know. I really like a white border on a on a photograph. You do? Yeah, I do. This photo, photograph, mm -hmm. is so great because, on one hand, they're following the rule of thirds. You know, the horizon is more or less on the third, the bottom third. Yeah. More. It's not in the center, you know. Um, the house, the farmhouse on the left, you know. Yeah, that's right on the third. Boom. Hardcore. And then the first building on the right is pretty much boom. But then the... The last building on the right is cut off. Yeah. I just slightly. love that. It's just slightly cut off. It's not perfect because you get the feeling like this wasn't staged. It gives it that little bit of realism. Like old man Knutson went out there with his new toy and took a photo of the family farm. Oh, I got this camera. I'll go out there and psh, I don't know. Get it. It's just yeah. a, picture that's been hanging around like 1962 right by grandpa right. knudsen yeah grandpa knudsen was out there his hobby was photography and uh you know he didn't get it quite right but he knew enough to like not put everything right in the middle all the time yeah. or maybe it's just luck he was just trying to take a picture of that like space between the two buildings maybe he was taking a picture of like the drought that was going on in 62 in minnesota yeah, it does have, when you mentioned the drought, I did want to say, because I had said 62, but I was at first thinking, like, yeah, this is even, this is like uh, Depression era, almost, looks like. Dust Bowl really? time. Yeah. It's very yeah. reminiscent of that. 
It is. Maybe it's a, well, and maybe that's why they sent this picture because it's one that's been in their family for generations and it's known. And, and thanks to Fino for like folding it up. Yeah. Right. But don't yeah. give it to him then, you know, I mean, he's just got it all folded up. This cherished family heirloom. I'll just fold it and put it in my pocket. I guess if he finds Fawn Knutson and brings her back home, all is forgiven. Yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> so the smoky reminder was this. The dude is once again, like, sharing, like he's joint holding an item with oh. another guy. <laughs> Like the uh, pen. Like the fucking pen, like right? Like we talked about him holding the pen yeah. with Smokey for like a whole episode. <laughs> right. Yes. So I wonder if there are any other times where that's going on, but I don't know. Just I remember like he puts it in his hand and they're holding it together and they have that moment of like solidarity. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we're in this together. We just got to get through this Walter business. A film of joint holdings. <laughs> Oh, shit. At least I remembered it. I thought for sure that one was going to go by the wayside. So Walter pulls up in his van. He got there pretty quick. He did. He did. Well, we don't know how much time has passed since. Well, that's true. We don't know when the dude came out. Right. He could have came out. He's going to be like, okay, Walter's like, oh, it's going to take Walter uh, 45 minutes to get here. It's been 45 minutes. I'm going to head outside to look for him. Or maybe... And then runs into Defino at that point. Maybe he went and did it again with Maud. It's like, well, I got some time to kill. Cocktail? No? Just just cock, then? You know, so maybe they did it again. Two times is better than one time, Brad. Um, Especially when you're trying to help her conceive. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Get the swimmers in there. You gotta hedge your bets. Portmanteau. 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 So... I have to try to remember that. Well, so, I have a visual aid. Did you look at the visual aid? Uh, let me go back here. I saw a couple... A couple... It's a visual representation of the futility of the homesickness ploy. Right, the Delfino's face... Yeah, after he says, I don't know, they thought it might make her feel homesick or something. Right. And then they cut to... Delfino <laughs> making a kind of like... He's like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't think so. Right, well, talking about his face, we also didn't talk about this last week, where when uh, the dude is like, I'm just helping her conceive, man. Hey, and Delfino's yeah, reaction is like, ah, we, hey, hey, he yeah. puts his hands up and it's like a race. He's like, wait, whoa, hey, come on. That's like too much. I don't need to know. Stop. Right? This guy is the best, man. This guy is the fucking best. And I think we talked about him owning the 80s, probably. And I think he did own the 80s. And you mentioned Thurston. As soon as... As that, even before we see the van come around the corner, the dude kind of like, you can see him kind of turn. We, we're we looking at Dufino's face from behind the dude, but you can kind of see the dude's body turn. Then we see down the street and the van comes around the corner. But I think even before 
the van is visible, you can hear Thurston fucking barking. That is a fucking Thurston. Oh, God. Fucking dog. Fucking Thurston. Fucking Thurston and his barking. So, Thurston was not lost. This is what I wanted to get to. Thurston did not at least permanently wander off and become lost. Right, because we had that question about after the smoky incident and they got into the car. Right. He did not actually (laughs) He did not actually put Thurston in the car. But all is well and maybe he went back and found Thurston and who knows. But what I wanted to say though is this has been a long time coming. We never actually talked about the Thurston equivalent starring Jeff Fahey. Because well, John, why would we talk about that? Well, because we didn't talk about it well, the last true. time. We didn't talk about it. Okay. We never talked about so it. So this is the time. This is where we finally talk about it. We might as well, because as John Polito owned the eighties, so did Jeff Fahey. He had a good run there in the eighties. But the Thurston equivalent, starring Jeff Fahey, I think was at the tail end of his run. Yes. Where, um, I don't know, what was it, 87, maybe, 88, 89, somewhere in there. And it was this crazy-ass, like, quintessential 80s movie where, you know, he's kind of this philandering playboy. He's running around on his wife. Um, They've got this dog. And, you know, he's got all these mistresses, whatever. But he, like, dies... But then there's this freak electrical storm when she's visiting his body in the morgue and identifying him and the dog's there and like there's a lightning strike and his consciousness gets like transported into the damn little dog. And it's a dog kind of like Thurston. It's a small, like shitty little dog, but it's his ex-wife's dog. And then the whole movie is him like living in the dog's body and coming to terms with like learning how to appreciate the people in his life and be more of a kind and loving man. You know, that it's just all 80s movies were kind of like this. And then he, um, of course, at the end, like, there's another lightning storm and they go out there and Uh. they switch back, of course. But then I think it ends on, like, a freeze frame or some shit where, uh, they also have this cat, and then you realize that the cat is now, like, imbued with the, like, essence, the consciousness of one of his mistresses, and the cat does something that's like, oh, shit, that's one of... And now they have to live with the damn cat, and it's like this freeze frame of them, like, <laughs> Fucking 80s, Brad. Yeah, it was a weird time. It's a weird time. All times are weird times, though. But in particular, freeze frames, late 70s and all through the 80s, they love their freeze frames as a way to end a movie. No, that's true. But I just remember, like, Jeff Fahey's face is not one that you want to be freeze framed on for too long. No. He was in Lost. Jeff Fahey? We probably Fahey? talked about this before. Yeah. No. With the blonde treehorn thug? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was he in Lost? He was the helicopter pilot. Did did you watch um, all of Lost? 
Um, I was cooking a lot, but I mean, sort of. He came in. Uh, he was in like the later seasons. Remember when that scientist came to the island? There was like a scientist, and he had like a little cadre of people. There was like the redhead girl. Are you talking about Jack? I hurt too, Jack. That guy, that terrible guy. What I'm do you mean? Sure. What do you mean, Jack? Follow me, Jack. That guy. I'm not sure which guy that is. Ah, <laughs> sorry. He's the worst. Anyway, he did Jeff Fahey. He wore like kind of like I want to say like Hawaiian shirts, and he was a helicopter pilot. Vaguely remember that. He like flew onto the island on his helicopter. Um, okay, sure. I remember this fella now. Fine. How did he get a helicopter there? Because there, because that scientist guy who figured something out how to get there. Isn't he clever? Remember how the end of the while well, I won't spoil it, I guess. Never mind. Yeah. Lost. I mean, the statute of limitations is way fucking it's up. It's way over. Still... It's a good it's a good show kind of kind of it has it, its moments the first season was freaking magical I don't know if it still would be if it's just too much of its time or whatever well I watched it the <laughs> whole family I didn't really watch it my wife you might know her her name is Leslie and my daughter watched it probably maybe three years ago they were binging through that okay so not too long ago, and I have to say the first season or two, pretty damn great. Yes. Stupid shit starts happening. It just goes on way too long. Yeah. yeah. You know, they could have like cut it off after three or four seasons and just been fine. Like, find a nice arc there. But yeah, a lot of stupid stuff. But some great shit. Even even now, I don't know how long ago that show was on. Yeah, well, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, at this point, it's probably like 10 years ago or something, but... Maybe 12. I 10, don't think 10 or 12. Much. I don't know. It was okay. It held up okay. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. The first season, it was, it was shattering, I thought. Like, again, it just had kind of like a, a certain originality to it and a freshness. I would put it up there with, you know, some of these shows that, I don't know. 24. What it did, and I'm so what show came out first, 24 or Lost? 24. Lost was 2004 to 2010. Okay. And 24 did- had to be like 02, 01, as a matter of fact. Wow, nine years. Don't, didn't they, aren't they making another series? Another ep or season? Um, I don't 24? know. I don't know. That was only they're making, nine a, they're years? making another X Files. I do know that. We saw the first leaked photo of that shit. Yeah. So they're doing another X Files. The uh, but again, like X Files, I think. Yeah, maybe not so much. But there's certain shows I think that kind of create, like, like Lost Change Television. Like for the for after the Lost came out, there was nothing like it, and then the next ten years was just like 
okay, well, every network was just releasing five different shows that were like, oh, this could be like Lost. Why do you say that Lost changed television? Because for 10 years, that's all we had okay, on television. How, how did it change television? Give me an example of what you mean. Like, what did Lost do, either visually so or story-wise? or like was what? It, uh, it, it signaled a shift from... Um, it, it, it dethroned reality television. Okay. I can get behind that. And said, no, even though it didn't scripted drama is profitable and has a place. It didn't dethrone it. It put a second throne right next to its throne because we're still watching. I mean, reality reality is never going to be gone completely. Jesus. Why? But it was definitely the dark ages of television. It was. And then this kind of, you know, did that. Um, what also Lost did, it was kind of maybe the first show to really capitalize on the internet. Um, How? Um, placing all of the weird hidden clues in there. I mean, the show... So, what? I, again, binge-watching it later, you might not you know, have experienced this, but, you know, after an episode of Lost would air, like, pretty much you'd have a whole week to do nothing but debate it online in the forums and for people to go through and, like, dissect, like... And they would hide so much shit in there, little things. Like, you're saying you're, like, watching it um, while you're cooking, right? So you might be missing out on the little little things. Like, you notice, oh, the guy in the background has a Dharma insignia on his jacket, right? And it's kind of like the stuff we're discovering watching Lebowski, where, like... Mm-hmm. Huh, if you watch it, you don't notice this stuff. But if you go back then afterwards, we're DVR it and we'll go through it frame by frame. It's like, oh, look at all this shit, right? I don't There's, think I could. I mean, yeah, I don't think I could do that just with like the middle years where it was so stupid. Right. No, exactly. Yes, it wasn't as interesting to do that. But, uh,. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so, you know, it, 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 uh, it, it, uh, yeah, it highlighted that the fact that, you know, yes, if you missed an episode, you were just fucked. Right. 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 But right. it was okay. Cause you could just, if you missed an episode, go on the forums, go, well, no, you could go on demand. You could buy it on iTunes in 2004. Later on, you get it on Hulu. How could you see it in 2004? Or you just mean in later seasons? It started in 04. How would you? Um, they did they have on demand? Maybe they did. No, I think they did. I well, I certainly um, didn't. I know when we were watching Lost, was it the first? It wasn't the first season because I did not watch it when the first season aired. Like, I got the DVDs, started watching them like. You did right a Netflix before the second thing. season started, binged on those, and then had to catch up in season two. Did you buy them, or did you did Netflix have them? Um, season one, I got the DVDs from Netflix. Okay. Um, season two, then I had to maybe catch up a handful of episodes, and I think I probably got those on the internet in a non-completely sanctioned way. <laughs> but then later on in season two, there were like episodes I would miss. 
So from that point on, then I was watching on television commercials and all. Crazy enough, hard to even believe today that I did that, even in 04. But then um, if we'd miss an episode, I do recall, yeah, I'd go to iTunes store and download it. Granted, it was like in 320 by 240, oh, I think, geez. at the time. Maybe oh, it was 480. Probably 480. I mean, it was meant to play on a video iPod, if you remember those things. Oh, boy. So, like, that's what it was meant for, really. But, yeah, you could download it on your computer just as well. I didn't have a video iPod. But, yeah. So, I have a handful of episodes from Season 2 still in my, like, iTunes folder here because I downloaded them in 05 or whatever. A striking, leggy blonde from North Dakota. She was working her way through college doing assorted jobs at a dude ranch. Jeff Bridges' wife. Susan Geston, yes. Yes. Who was um, from Moorhead. Well, I, I, that's why I mentioned that I need to issue a retraction. Apparently, she was from Fargo, not Moorhead, because she grew up in North Dakota. And Moorhead's oh. in Minnesota. Okay. But they're basically like... Basically the same thing. The same metropolitan, quasi-metropolitan area. Gotcha. So, I want to... <laughs> The Van Noise, not to be confused with Van Nuys. <laughs> Which we did, yeah, Van Nuys. <laughs> the Van Noise. This Van is noise. now, I didn't want to get into the diner too much, but I feel like, because we, we can revisit some of this, but I just wanted to mention real quickly that, so this, the scene in the diner when they're ordering the lingonberry pancakes and Peter Stormare's character in Fargo is always saying he wants pancakes. He never gets them. Mm-hmm. So he gets his pancakes finally in this movie. They're always doing this kind of crap. Same thing with Donnie. When he dies, he's in smaller and smaller pieces. Um, you know, he's just a coffee can full of dust in this one. In Fargo, he's in a wood chipper and... I don't know right. what the other one, whatever the other one was. Miller's Crossing or some shit. I don't know. I forget. But anyway, they're always having these little jokes. But this scene in the diner is the only scene that the dude is not in. And in a classical film noir, it's always from the perspective of the protagonist, in this case, the dude. Right. And traditionally that protagonist is in every scene because it's from his point of view. This diner scene, he's not in it. The argument is made that he is in it because the van drives by in the background in the street. And I've watched this a bunch, and I don't think you can say with 100% certainty that that is the van back there, but at 94.53, you can hear a van noise not to be confused huh. with Van Nuys. <laughs> right. Because it's kind of a rickety noise. And you do see kind of a white van back there. So maybe, maybe. It seems a bit of a stretch, but not too crazy. Well, it is weird. He's still not in the scene, though. He's in the background of the scene. Yeah, it, well, it's definitely not from his point of view. Right. So they've already kind of broken it pretty badly. Right. But again, consistency. We know what we say about consistency. <laughs> exactly. So I'm even looking here because in my memory, I remembered something very different 
Um, and I'm not even sure where this van is even supposed to be. It's right after the bus. You can see a bus go by. Yeah. It follows right on the heels of that bus. You can't. Well, let me look at it again. I can't see shit. 9450. There's menu. They're holding menus up. The waitress is there. That's what I'm saying. It's you a bit of a stretch. Sh- that's the biggest stretch. If that's what they're trying to say is the van. That's what they're saying is the van, Brad. Yeah. Okay. I'm. But uh, my point was that it's reinforced by the van noise coming in. Is it the same van noise? I'm pretty sure it's the same van noise. And even if it's not, like, they make it a point to, like, there's a lot of cars going back, going around back there, but they boost the sound effect of this van noise noise up. But there's no Thurston. True. Right, where's the fucking Thurston then? If you were really gonna do it, wouldn't you hear that little asshole? It's yipping think if away? they wanted to make it, but at the same time, that would be a little maybe too too on the nose. Too as they on say. the nose. But yeah, it is. So it is strange to think. I mean, again, they needed to do this to wrap up the narrative. I feel. Oh yeah, they had to. Well, well, she could have been there at the uh, confrontation, though. She. Co- I was just thinking that. Now, right. granted. But they needed that plot. Yeah. I mean, at this point, so the dude is going to end up there. We already saw Bunny had a toe. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. If you put that later on, does it fuck anything up? Other than the fact that, like, you're kind of trying to have the movie all settled, and this is an epilogue. And I think for pacing purposes, maybe they just wanted to put this in here. Yeah. So um, when you're watching, like, you know, the final scene, which is, okay, they confront the titular Lebowski. You kind of realize what's happened. It's all done. Like, you don't need this other lingering clue. This other lingering, lingering piece. Like, just, well, what just, happened to the... Right. Where did put the it toe to bed. come from? Just put it to bed so we can move on. Yeah, let's have all the pieces in place, and then we can wrap a bow on it right here, and then move on to the epilogue. Have our little denoma, and life is good. Yeah. Maybe Amy Mann was uncomfortable being around a flaming El Camino. Is that possible? That's not very likely. Yeah, you're right. She's pretty cool. She wouldn't give a shit. So there, that was a backhanded way of saying, this is Amy Mann. As the uh, toeless, nihilist woman. Yeah. Was it a El Camino, though? El Camino. Uh, Isn't it El Camino that, like... No, not... A- Gran Torino. Sorry. Gran Torino, right, yeah. They yeah. sound similar. They're two words, sort of. El Camino, Gran Torino. Yeah. El Camino is like the the, the half pickup, half whatever. It's yeah, like, like a it's like a station wagon that's a pickup right. in the back instead of oh boy, boy, yeah. And I was gonna think, I was thinking, aren't those the cars that exploded? Because maybe Amy Mann would be afraid to be around the flaming one, but that was the Pinto. That was the Pinto. That was the Nader car, right? Wasn't that the one he was getting all jacked up about um, back in the day? The Pinto? Maybe. 
I wanted I to point out. I mean, there's out, a lot of auto safety he, things he did. Well, yeah, you can't really pin it down to one thing, I, I guess. I mean, he did that. I mean, I think his big thing, like, unsafe any speed, like, that was, um, that was big. That was, like, way before the Pinto, I think, but I'm not, I don't know. The years all run together, especially when it's the years before my birth. Brad, these menus look like giant phalluses. I mean, you're kind of true, but yeah, I mean, you can <laughs> I mean, find phalluses a lot of places. I guess if you there's really phalluses everywhere if you're really looking for them. Look at how disgusted the uh, nihilist to Amy Mann's left. Look how disgusted he is with her at, at like ninety four yeah. fifty nine, right before this minute ends. He's just like looking over at her. Is it is it with her he's disgusted? Or is he just disgusted with the whole situation? He's disgusted with the whole situation. He's disgusted with her because I feel like somehow he's blaming her because her toe wasn't convincing enough. And he's like, ugh. Yeah, come could on. be. Why Flea you is fuck like this up? asleep. He's tired. He's fell asleep there at the diner. You know, there's nothing like falling asleep at a diner. Like, <laughs> I know. All your friends are ordering and you fall asleep. Like, that's just one of the best. It's fucking, one of like, the you, best. Best Shits. kind of sleeps. I love yes. it. Oh, my God. There's some good sleeps, but that's one of the best. You know, and especially if you tell them what you want and then you wake up and your food is in front of you. And you can just put your face in it and start eating it. All right. Don't no hands. <laughs> just put, eat like a piggy, man. Yeah. Do you see what's in the background behind Amy Mann? <laughs> uh, is that like a boombox? They've got the boombox there. Oh, that's going to be on later. <laughs> They're already prepping for this showdown. Yep. They're going to play their own hits while they praise them. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, if you consider... That these nihilists are sitting around, you know, they're on this voyage. If this table is their boat, that boombox is kind of, where would that be? I think that would be on the the stern. <laughs> so it w- wouldn't be fore, it would be aft. Aft, right. Aft. Which is sometimes referred to that, like, yeah, that elevated section up there. Which is basically just the roof of a cabin or right. sort of like a dining hall. Yeah, but if you go on top of there, you're on that deck, which comes from, I think it's the French word. La, 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 la pousse. Pousse? I don't know. Like I don't speak fucking French. And so now we call it in English the poop deck. <laughs> Next time on Gutter Ball. You threw out a ringer for a ringer! 